episode 308. It's usually either a struggle with understanding the business side of the business or understanding how to be a leader of people. So honestly, I really find in most cases, it's going to boil down to a problem in one of those two macro areas. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, a big hello to my friends and all automotive aftermarket professionals around the world, to the aftermarket's best library of powerful aftermarket talk radio that helps shape your learning curve. This is episode 308 with Mike Bennett, shop owner and business coach. Carm Capriato here on the Remarkable Results Radio podcast with a special interview recorded at the 2018 Auto Vitals Digital Shop Conference in Santa Barbara, California. Hey, I want to thank Federal Mogul Motor Parts for their support and commitment to bring you the industry's premier educational podcast. They are the reason you enjoy these great aftermarket interviews. So when you need innovation and quality, you need Federal Mogul Motor Parts. Brands like Moog, Felpro, Wagner Brake... Anco, Champion, Seal Power, FP Diesel, and more. They're the parts text trust. Find out more, fmmotorparts.com, and thanks for supporting these brands. I want to encourage you to discover the Town Hall Academy. This series takes a single trending topic with a panel of your industry's colleagues in an open discussion. Great ideas and insights abound in these forums. The entire catalog is archived for you on the website at remarkableresults.biz/academy, and they are available to you on your favorite podcast listening app. See the social page on the website for podcast listening subscriptions that you can listen to Remarkable Results Radio. Hey, the network continues to grow. Thanks to my new Facebook friends, Robert, Matt, David Murray, Steve Arbakov, Tim Jones, and Dominic S. And my new LinkedIn connections, Kevin Jones and Deborah Glazer Wright. Go to remarkableresults.biz slash social for my social links. Now meet Mike Bennett from Mike's Cars in Gettysburg, PA. Mike is a shop owner that has made the transition to being a full-time business coach with ATI. Mike's wife, Shelly, is the GM of the shop, and I had the pleasure to sit with them and a team of ATI clients while in Santa Barbara. You are in for a special interview with a guy who wanted to give back to the industry by sharing what it took for him to become a good leader and business person. Mike shares many great strategies for owners who wanted to make the transition into CEO of their business. It takes a strong discipline, he says, and a total re-engineering to get to the next level. And as he explains it, that's what happened to him. Mike credits that leap into being a strong leader. That was the difference maker for him. He shares the two biggest struggles with shop owners today, why so many shop owners hire a business coach, why a strong culture becomes a difference maker. He also shares his three most important books to read, and finally, The Accountability Factor. A fast-moving and engaging interview where Mike wonders, why shop owners don't bring the same level of curiosity we had as techs to the business side of the business. Interesting, isn't it? Now, here's Mike Bennett. Hey, a warm welcome to Mike Bennett from Mike's Cars in Gettysburg, PA. Beautiful Gettysburg. I looked at on the map. Are you right next to the battlefield? My shop literally is on the battlefield. So the back of my shop is the front end of a field hospital. So imagine the stories. It's, it makes a lot, a lot less... Um, shuttle rides in the summertime. 
So as we have tourists that come to town and they break down, my goodness, they can walk from the shop to get to the battlefield. I don't have to drive them around quite we'll so much. We'll fix your car. Go go check out the battlefield. I love yeah, it. Yeah, see, that's an extra fringe benefit. That's kind of holy ground, isn't it? Very much so. Hallowed. Hallowed. Hallowed ground. That's what hallowed I meant. Ground, uh, yes. Hallowed ground. So um, you're a coach for ATI. I am. I am. I'm a coach for ATI. I've been with them for a little over seven years now. Uh, and it's, it's, it's the replacement passion in my life for shops. Yeah. You're a shop owner. Okay. Everyone listen, Mike, Mike owns a shop and he and his wife, and he's also a full-time coach. Okay. How's that happen? I don't know. I, I mean, how do you, how do you make a mistake like that in life? No, it's, it's actually a rather interesting story. Uh, and so do you mind if I give you a little back history for no, my shop? That's why you're here. Yeah. Well, good. So, you know, one of the things that, that I did is very on and early on in my entrepreneurship, you know, I figured out that there were some things about business that I didn't know. I'd come from a technical background and, you know, I was pretty, pretty uh, able to talk to customers and give customers, you know, a good feeling about what we're doing and a better feeling about who we were and how they could trust us. So business grew. It did well. Um, but what I found over time is I became very frustrated with the fact that I felt like the business was kind of running me rather than me running the business. We were making money. My employees were happy. The customers were very happy but I wasn't necessarily because I kind of felt trapped by it. I felt more functional fixing cars and people than I did working with my business, which, which was a great frustration to me. Uh, and I can remember having a light bulb moment in my life where I kind of said, man, why is it as a business owner in life, do I keep making the same mistakes over again? I feel like I get myself in the same trouble over and over again. There has to be a better way. Well, wait a minute. You just broke the code for so many that are listening. You had that moment. Instead of toughing through and toughing through and woe is me and day after day, the grind after the grind, something inside of you said, stop Yeah. and rethink this. Yes. And there's got to be some help out there. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Now I'm with you. Okay. So for me, that light bulb moment meant that I had to find something uh, to fill in the void. You know, as a technician, you know, this was kind of pre-internet, pre-being able to go online and research a lot. So you would find companies that that would give you training. Uh, And and I latched on to that. I came through the original dealer network. So I was very familiar with technical training. And I thought, gosh, there has to be something that business-wise that can do the same thing. And, and I looked for a while. Um, and ultimately, I found a couple of programs, and I had a couple of programs that did well for me. Um, ultimately, I, I latched on with ATI. I took my shop to them as a client. And uh, I immersed myself in it. It's one of those things, you know, if you're going to do something, you might as well do it wholeheartedly. Uh, and I did. And so I, I fully embraced. I can remember, again, having an aha moment in one of the original owner's classes. And I remember sitting there, and I was, it was fighting it, you know, because I'm hearing this stuff, and that can't be right. And, oh, my God, what are they talking about? They, they don't understand my market. And I just realized to myself, man, maybe I'm the one that's limiting this thing. So I had this aha moment. I thought back to, you know, Einstein's definition of insanity. You do the same thing over and over again, and you expect a different result. So it was kind of at that moment I made a decision that, you know what, I, I don't know where it's going to lead me, but I'm going to give it a try. And I'm going to give it a try passionately. And I did. Um, and it was kind of at that moment that things got better for me uh, because, you know, I didn't really understand what I was doing all the time. I mean, I always thirsted for the knowledge of understanding and always I would ultimately figure it out. But there were times when sometimes you just got to do something on a little bit of blind faith. So I always took it, understanding it was probably something that was going to be better, even though it felt very uncomfortable. 
And lo and behold, more times than not, it actually worked out really, really well. In most cases, better than I would have predicted or even at the time, my coach. So the story kind of um, goes as it should. Um, I re-engineered my business, which started with re-engineering myself. Um, one of the most remarkable parts of this particular program is it, is it not only trained me, but it helped me learn how to train my people, which is probably one of the biggest weaknesses I had related to people very well, but I don't know that I necessarily knew how to train them well. I stop for a minute. Leadership have anything to do with this here? A ton of leadership. Yeah. yeah. Mostly, I would even say more from leadership. Lead, strong leadership is, is all about being able to communicate expectations and influence and influence right so you have to be able to help somebody understand why something is important um, what is expected of them and then finally you know with a really good leadership you help somebody understand why it's good for all that are involved and so ultimately um, through being better uh, leader and a better um, accountable manager with my people getting my people training that in some cases I wasn't really able to give them give them well um, a very unique thing happened. I, I ultimately started not only to gain control of my business, but I gained a little bit of freedom from my business. Um, resulted in a lot of good things, not the least of which was uh, my golf game got pretty good for a while. So time is a factor in here, which is why you had an opportunity to improve your, your golf game. Yeah, You absolutely. found time. Yes, yes, I actually did. Um, one of the most important uh, things that I began to notice is, is the better, the better that you manage your people, the better they manage their time and the less dependent they become upon you. I was no longer that fireman running around, putting out every fire and answering every question. That's the big word dependent. Mm -hmm. And it, it takes an empowered person, shop owner, leader in order to get that team on board. Um, I would differentiate that just a little bit. I think what you described is, is the best employee. So the best employees are empowered employees, employees that understand their role. Um, they've been trained well in it. They understand their expectations. And great leaders allow, allow their employees the opportunity to succeed. In some cases, fail, but in most cases, succeed. You know, failure is just a learning opportunity, right? So, you know, ultimately what happened with me, so the funny part of the story is, and this is my, my wife will chuckle with this if she ever does here, is um, I thought, well, gosh, I've done this great. I'm getting a little bit bored. I find that when I go back in the shop, one of two things happens. Either one, I cause problems, or two, my, my employees start to kick me out. You know, there's nothing more powerful than your employees that say, you know what, Mike, we actually do a little better when you're not here. Um, and then the results prove that they're right. So um, honestly, I, I, got, I re-engineered myself out of my own business. You know, I, I haven't heard a story like this in a long time. What was the magic that made that happen? So there's a couple pieces of magic. Um, you know, one, I, I think I had some really good mentors throughout this time in my program. You listened to them and you implemented. Yeah, it's kind of scary sometimes, isn't it? Um, a lot of times, very willingly, I'd ask a lot of questions. I challenged a lot of things. But in the end, you know, a, a good coach can help you understand exactly why an alternative, even though it feels unnatural, may be exactly what you need. Right. And so um, for me, that was that was very, very powerful stuff. It was very liberating, to be quite honest. I'm talking to Bud Houston, a technical product specialist with Federal Mogul Motor Parts. Hey, Bud, what's the best thing about the guru on the go van? 
Yeah, I think that the, the best thing about the van and the kind of the mission is it's twofold. One, one is ultimately to bring brand awareness uh, of the federal mogul portfolio. But I think the way that we do that is we bring value to the technician, the shop owner. And, and how we do that is, is we bring technical content. We bring some updated material. And once they see that I care about their operation, their reputation, and their qualifications, one, they're, they're built up. But two, they, they really, at that point, listen to what I have to say about the brands. And, it, and it's built, the relationship is built on a, a mutual benefit. So you bring technical stuff and you bring product-specific yeah, me personally, I, I'm, I'm super technical, technical background. So anytime I'm doing a lunch and learn or a van visit uh, training session, it's, it's typically 90% technical, 10% uh, product. Any new Moog products that are getting good reviews? Yeah, one that's recently released is uh, uh, the Dodge Ram 25 and 3500 Complete Steering Assembly. It's uh, inner and outer tie rod ends and drag link pre-assembled. Uh, this is the first uh, aftermarket um, part that's available in a complete assembly for this application. And then the specific applications, late model Dodge Rams, are, are actually a, a kind of a high failure part on, on the chassis parts. What about the compression-loaded ball joints with pre-installed integral dust boot? Yeah, the, the integral dust boot has been a huge hit. Initially, the, the idea was, was, well, where is the boot? And then once you kind of get around and show people, they're like, well, that is the best idea I've ever seen because I've torn so many boots on installation or I've had a boot that's not seated properly. And they're like, well, that's just not an issue now. And, and they love it. Federal Mogul Motor Parks' Garage Gurus is your go-to source for the vehicle training, technology, and answers you need to keep your next job on track. On site, online, or on demand, the gurus are here to help keep your business and your career on the road to success. Visit fmgarageguru.com. And so here you are saying, what do I do next? And you looked at the coaching company and you probably knocked on Chubby's door and said, you got something for me to do? Uh, it, was a little, it was a little funnier than that, actually. So I, I got the bright idea that, you know, as a shop owner, when you have success, you know, or any entrepreneur, when you have success with one, what's the next evolution? Let's try another, right? Yeah. So I would say half-heartedly was going through the, the process of actually looking to acquire another shop. I was shopping out in other locations, looking at markets, doing the research on the demographics, making sure we weren't in competitive areas and so forth. Uh, and it just so happened that I actually attended, um, as just a courtesy, uh, a coaching event um, relating to, to ATI. And um, my wife started talking to, not to Chubby, but to Chubby's son, CJ, and said, uh, gosh, you know, I don't know what craziness we're going through. You know, Mike's, Mike's we got this one kind of going, and now all of a sudden he's trying to look a second one. This just sounds like insanity. Um, that's kind of the spark that said, well, wait a minute. If you're looking for something a little bit more interesting, you know, if you think you're good at fixing one shop, how do you think you'd be fi good at fixing more? And so, you know, I've got the, the lucky thing is, is that I took that step and looked at the alternative um, because one of the things that I found, and I think this is almost universal with shop owners, um, you know, many of us or many would like to say that I'm entrepreneurially motivated or money motivated. But the reality is we're all recognition dependent. We're always looking for that person to look you in the eye and say, oh, my gosh, you know, you fixed my car. You saved me. You, 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 you did what somebody else wasn't capable of doing. You know, good thing that customers can't pay bills with recognition or I'd be a poor, poor man. So, um, you know, I, I get a great deal of satisfaction out of out of fixing things and helping people. 
And I thought, gosh, if I'm so, so passionate about a shop and I've learned how to become an owner and not just an employee of my business, meaning being a service advisor or a technician, but I've learned to take a lot of passion and pride in the fact that I have this thing that's working well for me, which is a big, big shift for most shop owners. I thought, gosh, if I can take pleasure with doing that with my shop, I wonder how much more satisfying it would be to help struggling shop owners do the same thing for themselves. Okay, so where is the, is the joy just as good when a shop owner says, thank you, thank you, thank you? Actually, I have to tell you, I think it's, it's actually a little bit more. Because it's one thing when you do it for yourself. But when you can help somebody else do something that, that maybe they weren't ever able to see... Um, that maybe you can see you've pulled them from some level of distress or, or, or desperation. Uh, it's an incredibly powerful thing. Mike, um, when you sit down with a new client, um, the top three things you see over and over again that they have to work on? Almost all. And, and I would really kind of, I mean, I'm sure I could sub-break this down for you, but, but really, to be quite honest, it, it comes down to probably two areas of complete struggle. One is, is literally an understanding of the business side of the business. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a mechanical um, area of study, so to speak. It, it, it's a knowledge base, so to speak. And I think that's hugely important. Um, it's usually either a struggle with understanding the business side of the business or understanding how to be a leader of people. One of the most difficult things, uh, and I've seen great shop owners, meaning that they, can, they have incredibly profitable and functional businesses that have problems with retaining employees and, and employee turnover, employee acquisition, um, maybe even reputations within the technical field that they really, really struggle with. Um, and most of these people are, are just good, honest people that haven't figured out how to relate to their employees best. Uh, so, so honestly, I really find in most cases it's going to boil down to a problem in one of those two macro areas. Question about understanding the business and being a leader of people. What do many struggle with the most in your ability to get them to convert or change? Is it the finance side and in, in, in the HR and the, the marketing piece and in, in really learning the, the functionality, the mechanics of running a good business? Or is it, you want me to be a leader of people? That's soft skills. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. So, so typically what, what we end up in most cases doing um, is kind of looking at it from an evolutionary period. And so the evolutionary period in, in, in coaching a business might have a lot to do with explaining what you're talking about. Because honestly, in most cases, we have something structural to work on. There's usually some level of desperation that's going to bring a shop owner to a coaching program. Um, you know, something bad's happening, uh, desperation, whether it's economically or, 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 or some other sort of problem that, that's created a level of desperation or need. And so in most cases, um, getting the business model fixed is something that we need to work on early. And, but I'll be honest, um, as magical as that sounds, it, it's a lot like fixing a, a fuel injection system or, or suspension or alignment. It's a mechanical thing. And so half the battle, of course, is educating somebody as to what it is and why it has to be that way. And then the second thing is, is helping them through the implementation of actually making that change. I mean, if, they, if it was just as easy as making a change, they'd have done it. 
um, you know, in most cases, you've got to help educate them and then work them through a belief system or, or a lack of understanding to actually get the change in place. But in a lot of cases, I would say, you know, that's something that, that is a, a fairly technical but a fairly mechanical thing. Whereas probably the biggest challenge that I see that a lot of shop owners face is this thing called leadership. And leadership is not so much a mechanical thing. It's a state of mind. It's an awareness. It's an ability to relate to people, to relate to your employees, to learn what makes people tick, to understand how you as a manager can move people and change people, right? Just as a coach would be working with the shop owner to change mentalities and change practices, that's oftentimes what a shop owner has to do is learn how to manipulate and motivate employees into a different habit. A way to get a shop owner into the leadership mindset, would it be to help them develop a really strong culture in their business? Absolutely. Although I will tell you, though, that that culture can sometimes be a result, right? So as we're working on the the physical um, manifestations, the accountability steps, learning how to be a leader, how to set expectations within your staff, provide the training that's necessary for somebody to become proficient in something or do something they've never done before. And then, and then guiding them through as, as an employee has successes and failures, which is going to happen to make an employee self-motivated, right? An empowered employee is one that's typically self-motivated. So I would tell you that's kind of the secret sauce at my shop. You say, well, Mike, you know, how have you been absent from your shop for seven years? And, and in most cases, really, I mean, we could probably almost say 10 years at this point. Well, I'll tell you one of the most important elements is my employees. My newest employee is seven years old at my shop. My oldest employee is 14 years. Oh, with the company? With the company. Two of my employees, two of my technicians, I, I, I got at 17 years old. One of them is now an A-tech. One of them is an exceptionally strong B-tech. So you grew your own. I've grown some of my own in-house. But I think, I think the, the most important part about being able to do that, so employee longevity, my ability to have a consistent business model across time, even with my absence, has been being able to develop those people into conscientious, responsible and self-motivated employees. They know what their job is. They know what's expected of them. They're motivated to perform. And in most cases, the cultural element is when it extends beyond what's in it for me, meaning maybe the money motivation or whatever it might be. But it's helping them understand they have a greater impact or they're part of something bigger than themselves. And I would probably tend to guess that many of them feel like they're part of a family. They would identify themselves with what they think is the better shop in town, the best customer service around. And and people passionately, uh, employees passionately latch on to and stay involved. And that's what culture is all about. I think culture is more a result and something you build across time and probably one of the last things to come into place. You work on it. You develop it. Yeah, I see it. And then all of a sudden it starts to blossom and then it's easy to actually define it, uh, bring in the set of values and say you may have a mission vision statement. It's Absolutely. The, it's the behavior of the company. And it, it can't happen unless until the behavior of the CEO changes. Without a doubt. It, it actually has to happen there. 
I use an adage all the time explaining it to shop owners, and I, and I talk about it being a painful responsibility where a shop employees may not have such impact emotionally on a company. You know, a shop owner unfortunately does. You know, it's, it's, it's as the head of the snake goes, so goes the snake. You as a leader, everything you do, the mood you come in with, the style that you put across, the way you relate to people will impact everyone around you. I love this. Um, I love where we're going with this. So being a leader of people, uh, the soft skills, uh, building the culture, uh, influence, and then there's understanding the business. And as you said, the mechanical, the levers that I could pull, and one of those is HR. Mm-hmm. Does HR happen after you start seeing blossoming of the leader? Yes and no. I mean, it is an element of creating a structure to your employment base. I mean, HR and human resources and, and creating a structure to your employees is, is going to be part of developing that business model. What I'm trying to uh, ask, and I failed to ask a good question, but it was the, how to hire a superstar type person. I mean, the leader's got to have enough self-assurance and confidence. Hey, my business is going and growing. And now you're going to say, now let's, now let's dig into the hiring process and finding good people. Absolutely. I mean, hiring, and especially in this day and age, I can't tell you how many times um, you know, I've either heard from myself or from, from shop owners, um, you know, especially in this day and age, you're being shopped harder by potential employees than you are shopping for them. They're coming to your shop for an interview or responding to an ad. So if a shop owner, if you've ever wondered why you place an ad and you may get a resume, so you use one of the hiring sources of Craigslist or Indeed or ZipRecruiter or something of that nature, and you get a flood of resumes and some of them look good and you reach back out to an employee and all of a sudden you don't hear back from them. That makes no sense. I mean, why would somebody submit a resume and then not respond to a business that says, yeah, we'd love to talk to you? Well, unfortunately, maybe the first place you need to look is in the mirror because I can almost assure you that as soon as you responded, they spent as much time researching you and your business and your website and your reviews to see who you are. What does your shop look like? What are people saying about your shop? And is, does, that, does that feel like something that aligns with me? And so from, from the HR point of view, again, if I understand your question, is this is massively important. As you create a structure that's your business, you learn how to be a better leader, you create an environment in which not only customers and, and your internal customers, your employees are happy, those are the things that make you better at recruiting because now you have something to sell, a job, that other people really want to be involved with. The most powerful statement of the of the of the health of your business is when people come to you asking you if you have openings very powerful stuff not that i haven't heard it or we haven't covered it on the podcast Mm -hmm. but it's good to have it reaffirmed by you mike i appreciate that now uh, i'm a client and uh, you say uh leaders are readers Mm -hmm. carm i need you to read these three books what would they be mike well one of the favorite books that I have is, is actually one you've mentioned once or twice, and that's the E-Myth. There's the E-Myth and now the E-Myth Revisited. And I think it is, a, it is an incredibly powerful book because it really speaks to understanding not only some of the things that can make a business successful and how an entrepreneur um, 
well, in most cases, the book points out, fails to actually be an owner more often than not. As the book says, we talk about technicians and managers, um, but really helps you understand some of the things that will be most successful in moving you forward, which is, which is of course, that they use the model all the time of franchises. So why is a franchise so, so successful? Brings my second favorite book, which is a book called Predictable Success. Helping you understand the exact model that can help you move from one stage of business development to the next as we try and move our business to a stage of we know every day, every week, every month, as we go through the cycle of the year, what it takes for us to be strong and predictably successful. So I think that book is, is, is huge in helping us recognize not only some of the things that we don't do, but some of the things we do repetitively that we don't realize can be detrimental. The third book that I think is, is absolutely phenomenal is a book called The Five Temptations of a CEO and really helps a business owner understand some of the internal um, mechanisms in how we manage people and some of the common mistakes that we make um, and quite honestly then some of the things that we can do to counteract that. I always talk about you know, half, the, half the battle is admitting you have a problem because once you know you have a problem, you begin to feel the trigger. Certain situation occurs in your business and your knee-jerk reaction would be to blah. You know, we're going to go out and reprimand an employee or do something that, you know, handle it in a certain way. And if you can start to recognize that that hasn't been a successful action and you feel it as a trigger, well, then you have the opportunity to change the outcome before it occurs. And so I think that's a book that's exceptionally powerful in helping you understand that naturally as people we have triggers. We have keys. We have ways in which we do things that are maybe not so successful. Three really good books. And by the way, Michael Gerber wrote Beyond the E-Myth, I think about a year ago. Okay. One of my listeners sent it to me because they knew how big I was on it. My one sentence takeaway on Beyond the E-Myth is that every decision you make, you make depending on selling your business. And if you think about that, wow, you know, it's all about scaling and franchising in the, in the first one. And, you know, can I build the right processes to get it done? And then so every decision you make, make to plan for your future. I think you, you may go left versus right in some of your decisions with that kind of mind thought. So I would encourage everyone to read uh the E-Myth, the E-Myth Revisited and Beyond the E-Myth. Now, I, I'm so impressed with the things that you're saying as a coach and, and a shop owner. And I, I think of the word accountability, which to me is a big responsibility on the coach ease side. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that's their biggest struggle to get on board with the program? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is most challenging is what I think I, I described as experiencing a little bit as myself. I've yet to meet a shop owner. I meet lots of personalities, but I've yet to meet a shop owner that, that isn't very strong of personality. And so typically with strength of personality comes strength of belief, right? And so one of the biggest weaknesses for a shop owner can be the fact that their belief systems are so strong. And then when you're trying to deal with somebody, a coach, you know, we've gone through the educational process. We've helped you understand the, the nuts and bolts of why something should be and could be and the changes that we need to make. Um, probably the largest challenge that I have or any coach has, uh, and cr- honestly, probably the greatest benefit that a, that a shop owner will get from having a coach 
is going to be the accountability that 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 coach puts on them to actually institute the change. We know we need it. We understand it. But we're so strong of belief system that we just can't get ourselves to do it. And so you need that kick in the pants, the guy that pokes you in the back and says, but we agreed. You know you wanted to change this, right? Why haven't we done this thing? And so it is. It's a, it's a, it's a problem of an instituting accountability. I'll give you another example, as a matter of fact. There's a phenomena that occurs in, in, a, in a coaching program, and, and especially in one that's working successfully with a business. So as I say, most shops enter a, a coaching program in some level of, of uh, distress or, or, or upset. And so they've got some urgent need. And honestly, that's when we find as coaches are most involved shop owners, right? They're desperate. Something's going wrong, whether it's managing people or marketing or car count or, or profits or whatever it is that's happening. And so what ends up happening is, is they come into the program at some level of desperation. Well, that's when your clay is the ripest for molding. They want to work and they want to make changes and they'll have success and things begin to go really well. So the next most difficult point is actually what happens with that shop owner when they start to achieve some of their goals. They can either sit statically and become almost uncoachable and they just kind of coach along or they, excuse me, they just kind of cruise along. Or one of the things that we have to do is focus on setting the next set of goals. Wow, becoming uncoachable because they they satisfied themselves. They came into the program with this goal. They're there. Oh, let me alone. I'm good. So everyone who's listening, anybody you talk to about setting goals, you know, there's that good old thing called the the BHAG, you know, the the big, big hairy ass goal you want to set as high and as big as you can. And then you've got steps along the way. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to have always keep pushing. Well, and I think it's hugely important. Again, my wife will, will laugh at me because I use this analogy in coaching all the time. My wife is a list person. I hate lists. I hate writing lists, but my, my, love, my wife loves to write lists. And I always say the last item on the list is write next list. She has to have the next list. In other words, the next set of things to do, which when you think about it from a productivity point of view is, is perfect. But we talk about this, excuse me, in coaching all the time. Um, one of the things that we, we do, and I think you began to allude to this to a second, is, is our natural um, structure as, as a shop owner. And in most cases, a lot of us came as technicians. That was my background. That's what I did for, for my entire career. So how do we attack our day? We walk into the shop. We see there's a problem. You put your head down and you plow through it. You fix it. Then you pick your head up, you look for the next problem, and you put your head down. And if you're a shop owner, it's not just cars. It might be cars, it might be a customer, it might be car count, it might be marketing, whatever. You put your head down and you plow through it, right? And next thing you know, it's the end of the day, and then it's the end of the week, and then the end of the month. And a year later, it's like, wow, I spent a year fixing problems. I plowed an awful lot of fields. Plowed an awful lot of fields. But there ain't no green in the account. That's the problem. And so one of the things that I think is hugely important, and whether you call it a goal, I actually call it vision. Okay. Right. So you have to have something that you're going. So, you know, one of the things that I'm talking a lot about with my, my clients right now, my shop owners, as we call them members, or we're talking with right now is, you know, listen, we're, we're at the end of 17, we're in 18 and we're talking about, oh my gosh, look where we came from. You know, would you have believed in the end of 16 that this is what we would be talking about in the end of 17? So what's most important is what are we going to be talking about at the end of 18? 
What are we going to say that we accomplished? What's different that we made that we did this year? Because here's the deal. Life and business are going to throw monkey wrenches to you. Right? So let's just use an example of the mudslides in, in California. You're going down the road and all of a sudden the road's shut. It's like GPS. What's going to happen? What's going to, you're going to turn off the road and it's going to say recalculating route. Well, it's got to be recalculating to something. If you don't have an end destination, you're not recalculating to anything. You just took a turn. And that's all too happen- often what happens with shops and shop owners and entrepreneurs. If you don't have that vision out the back end and start to align all your decisions, and most importantly, the way you handle disruptions. I think you said it earlier was something to the effect of you should make all of your plans with the sale of your business in mind, right? You should make all your decisions and all your moves and the way you handle whatever comes up with your, your business today if you don't have an it's end vision. It's the big one. It's, 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 it is the... The top of the mountain is the is the Everest. I I, I love that. I, I think that is so valuable for our listener to to know. If you were asked, Mike, come and teach a class, one class, pick your most favorite subject. I've got twenty five exceptional people in the room. They're all shop owners. What would you talk about? It depends on what day of the week. What what, what what do you want me to be most passionate about? All right, it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> Friday, I, I would be honest. I, I think so, again, taking from my technical point of view, one of the things that I've latched on to, uh, and, and it sounds a little odd as it comes from this kind of coaching thing, but one of the things that I've latched on to is technology, especially technology as it relates to marketing. Um, I'm, glad, love, I'm glad you said that because I saw you do a webinar on SEO, you know, emergency car counts. Do you, do you come up organically, you know, in the local search? It, it, was, it was excellent. And I could tell that's your passion. Yeah, it, it is something that, that I really love for a couple of reasons. It's a lot like a car, right? Who doesn't think that Google doesn't change every day, right? Who doesn't think that the way consumers consume information and find you doesn't change every day? So for me, it's neat. It's not about conquering something that's been the same for the last 50 years. I'm constantly finding a way to, a new way to get through the new information. So probably if you were going to ask me of something that I enjoy dabbling with and, and figuring out, it's like trying, trying to figure out how to rank online and how to how to be seen by your by your customers it, it is almost like you know the holy grail is trying to figure out it's like figuring out the most difficult wiring problem in a car yeah. the shop owners who were on that that webinar were really odd and there was a great deal of them that didn't know and and I know you you transferred an awful lot of knowledge now the doing you know there's the knowing doing gap I know what Absolutely. I have to do I, I, got, I got to get it done and so they have to go to their to-do list, if you will, <laughs> and, and write that down and get it done. Um, work-life balance. When, when a shop owner comes to you and says, man, you know, you, I've got all these projects. I'm, I'm happy. We're, we're really rocking, and I've got no life. Right. What do you help them with? First of all, what, one of the things that I believe, um, and I actually relate a story about one of my greatest accomplishments as I got my business under control, right? Because as I told you, I had a fairly successful business. I mean, we were doubling and tripling ourselves almost every year, you know, but one of the things that I found is, is I very passionately enjoyed the fact that it was going so well, but it dominated my life. I had two young kids at the time or what I would consider middle-aged teenagers. And, um, so one of my greatest accomplishments of getting my business under control was getting balance back in my life. The most, for I would say a good portion of my children's life 
you know, they knew a dad that was gone just before they got up. And I'd be lucky if I got home at night, my wife would say, well, you know, Jessica just went to bed. You might be able to catch her if she's still awake. And I missed a lot of that, but I had a really successful business. And so I tell people very finely, I tell, I tell shop owners that I work with, you know, one of the most, the proudest accomplishments that I have as a, as a shop owner is the fact that as a father, for the four years of my daughter's collegiate career, uh, she paid high-end soccer at a high-end university. She played in 93 collegiate matches, most of which were in during the working week. I went to 92 of them. Mm. The only one I missed is because I missed messed up dates, and I made a promise to my younger daughter, who, by the way, played in a similar number of matches in her four years, and I never missed a single one. Good for you. So one of the things that I think shop owners um, sometimes struggle with is is understanding that life has to have a balance, Right. You can think life is good at work, but if you don't have balance in your life at home, you'll never understand how good life is at work. I uh, was given this book. You, you, are, you have just slam dunked something I'm reading right now. It is called <laughs> The One Thing. It is from Gary Keller with Jay Papasan. And everything you're saying is all, all in this book. And I just want to encourage people. It's an easy read. It's a simple read. And it really helps yourself re-engineer uh, your work-life balance by concentrating on just one thing. And even, I think even as a coach, you may just love to give that to some of your people because we have tendencies to chase the baubles. I don't well, know about you. But I, I, can, I can probably tell you that my family would tell you maybe I need to reread that right now because I might put a little bit too much time and passion in with the shops that I work. It's, it's become almost a more full-time job than ever owning a shop. But uh, you've touched on one thing that I would say to, to shop owners that's vastly important, and that is knowledge, right? So as technicians, it's amazing how much, you know, we'll go to, we'll go to classes at night and seminars on the weekends, and you know, we'll watch YouTube videos nowadays for all of this mechanical stuff. But as shop owners, we never kind of change gears and apply that same level of curiosity to our business. And I'm not talking about just a coaching program. I'm talking about things like books. I mean, we've mentioned four or five of them today. I, I think well-rounded people and well-rounded shop owners are ones that are thirsty for knowledge and always have a stack of books by their bedside. Readers are leaders. We actually did a town hall academy called The Book Club. Love it. And it was great. In fact, it was one of those that people wrote to me and said, I picked up this book, I read that, and it just there's an awful lot of feedback on it. I'm here with you in Santa Barbara at the Auto Vitals Digital Shop Conference. You know, I, I, although it's our first day, give me a, a takeaway that, you know, you'll help your business with or help, co- help coach people. Well, I, I honestly think, you know, I, I, so I come from two worlds, obviously. So I come from the shop owner world where we have all of these products, you know, entrenched, um, as you understand, with, with my thirst for loving all things electronic and Google and so forth. I apply that same level of technology to my business. I look at it as a, as a really industry leading connection point with our customers. Um, but I also, again, look at it as a, as a shop owner. And, I, you know, one of the things that intrigues me the most as a shop owner is, or excuse me, as a business coach is how can I take some of the knowledge that I get and apply? And yet I sat there and, and kind of got stuck right in the middle. It was interesting. So if you were in the room this morning, 
there was a roundtable forum in which there was a, a leader of, of, of about four or five shop owners who, you know, I would categorize as super users of the AutoVitals products, the digital inspection products. But the amount of energy that came from the room with people asking questions and, and, and learning things that they didn't even know the product was capable of doing. And maybe more importantly, they knew it was capable of doing it, but they weren't able to get their people to do it. And how did you do it successfully? It's, it's that, that co-mentoring. Uh, it, it's that 20-group concept, Absolutely. as a matter of fact, which I am incredibly passionate about the power of. Um, as I say, coaching is an exceptionally powerful thing, but there becomes a point where the real-world experience of, of fellow shop owners who are doing things exactly the same way or using some of the same tools becomes incredibly powerful. We, we have the same kind of programs with ATI as well, where you, know, you get to a point where you know, you're also very interested in how are other shop owners that are trying to do the same program things that you are getting through struggles. And so really, if I had to say some of the things I take away from, from today was not so much a technical point or something about a product I didn't know about. It's quite honestly was listening to all the tips and triggers and struggles and the way people overcame struggles. I feel much more prepared that if somebody who's trying to get their shop into the digital technology were to say, but this happens or I can't get this guy to do that or this is where I'm struggling. I've heard so many tips today. It's incredible. It's trying to work people through it. Peer to peer, uh, if there's one thing that I sense and I feel so strongly about what's going on in the industry is that there's a lot of support groups out there on Facebook. Um, The podcast is actually becoming a huge resource for that kind of learning. And you mentioned 20 groups. Mm -hmm. Do you lead a 20 group at all? I do. Okay. Um, I want to do a a, a town hall academy on 20 groups. Mm Would you be one of my panelists? Absolutely. Perfect. Great. Absolutely. Thank you. Now, what tech advances, Mike, could disrupt our business world? You know, I get asked that question all the time as well because there's so much fear in our industry, especially now as, as technology is, is kind of exploding. You have autonomous vehicles and hybrid vehicles, and you know, we, we have some communities that are being, I don't want to use the word overrun, but but almost to the point where it's changing a consumer pattern with things like Uber and Lyft. Um, but the more I consider it, you know, honestly, um, I, I feel like having, you know, you don't want to date yourself too much, but I've been in the industry since the 80s. And I can remember back in the 80s as I was the, the young guy coming in the industry, you know, you get shop owners that were talking about things like electronic ignition and computer-controlled carburation. Right or leaving carburation, and we'll never be able to. You know, we're just going to get to the point where we can't even work on these cars, and the dealers will get everything. And 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 you feel the angst today as it relates to the hybrid vehicles and the autonomous drive vehicles and some of the systems that are involved in these, you know, collision avoidance and so forth. And you say to yourself, you know, I, I just don't know that our industry is going to exist ten years from now. And I say, you know what? I just don't know that it's any different than it was in the eighties. I mean, we're an incredibly resilient group of 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 talented people, you know, there will be something there for us. Will it change? Possibly, but we adapt incredibly well. Miles Driven is, uh, Derek Kaufman was on, and he debunked a report that we were going to end up with 70 million cars in the car park uh, out of 270 million. It came out of a think tank in San Fran. And he said, so we still have to go places. We still have to do things. And sure, ride sharing, I think, is going to be a piece of that. But those vehicles that take people to where they need to go are going, are going to need service. And even if the car companies own these lifts, 
uh, w- will they be able to, are there enough bays on the dealer side to do all the work? I absolutely don't think so. Coming from the airport to the hotel yesterday, I got picked up in a in a Kia Hybrid, and it was a model I had never seen before, and it was a really nice vehicle. And as I watched the dashboard show the, the you know you know where the when the battery was being charged, and you know you know how all that hybrid <laughs> stuff works, I couldn't help but think <laughs> that if if shop owners aren't doing hybrid repairs. They damn well better do it. Well, listen, I think it's like anything in life. Uh, the smart guy gives themselves access and at least information on everything that's out there. Now, that being said, I will, just personal opinion, I'll temper that just a little bit. You know, right now the industry is, is abuzz and alive with, with hybrids, right? If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me to that, but, but we're still running about 3% of the national fleet. Three percent. So I know the number. Right. And and it's fairly accurate. I recently saw an article that was talking about the increase in the fleet. And then the back end of the article basically said that we're not going to see the heaviest penetration until probably the year 2040 and beyond. So, you know, when you look at it from a... The, the state of where the most of the shop owners and technicians of our, you know, our current industry are that probably outpaces and it's well beyond. Big visionary goal. I, there's no one in my marketplace does hybrids. So let me invest in, let me be the first, you know, because when you're the first like Kleenex, mm-hmm. you're called Kleenex. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always I always talk about it with internet presence, you know, when you talk about doing something new. So if it's the new Google My Business posts or something of that nature, you know, this stuff is coming. It's like a wave. The question is, do you want to be on the front side of the wave surfing or the back side of the wave paddling? So you're right. When it comes to these big vision things, it also, you know, you listen to a guy like me that says, well, the hybrid, the hybrid uh, population is 3% of our national fleet. And, you know, gosh, that may get up to 20% by the year 2040. Uh, the reality is, is that in a, you know, a smart business and entrepreneur will prepare themselves for almost anything. Um, you know, I think certain markets and one of the things that I see in coaching, and that's, that's kind of really cool for me. So as a shop owner and just a, a techie guy in general, you know, one of the fringe benefits to me is I get to see this industry all over the country. Mm-hmm. I touch small markets and large markets and, you know, San Francisco and Idaho. And so, you know, I get to see the trending all across the country. Um, I do see markets where there's a heavy level of hybrid penetration. And the neat thing is, is there's a lot of training that's out there and available um, for, for not only for just hybrids and understanding the service work on them or the non-hybrid components on the vehicle. There's a tremendous amount of demand for battery technology and generation and regeneration. And a lot of it, interestingly enough, the dealers don't want to touch right now. So there is a market for it for those that, that have enough penetration to get into it. For those that don't, you know, you, you, you do need to expose yourself to it because if it's not here now, you will see it at some point. All right. So let me tell you a secret. So I saw your presentation on, um, on the Facebook group a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hung in there the whole hour or five, ten minutes that you were doing that, that SEO and that Google Just so thing. you know, that was supposed to be about a half an hour. I know so. it was, but you were on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> no one was there. Actually, it was, it was so interesting. I don't think anybody wanted you to stop, truthfully. Well, thank because you. you. were showing us so much stuff. And I wrote down in my little book that I need to interview Mike Bennett. And so when I was coming here and working with Uwe Kleinschmidt and he put your name on the list of someone that I should interview, I said, yes. So I'm (laughs) glad you're here, Mike uh, Bennett from Mike's Cars in Gettysburg, PA and and full-time coach for ATI. Thank you so much. Great insight. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate what you're doing for us. 
Hey, thanks, Mike Bennett, for sharing your passion for getting our industry's service professionals to the next level. There's nothing like great wisdom from someone who's been there and done that and found the proper path to great success. As always, great talk radio from the Aftermarket's premier podcast. Hey, catch a bio on Mike and the top talking points at remarkableresults.biz slash E308. Hey, remember with each podcast episode, we are connecting aftermarket professionals that want to help other professionals earn greater profits and reach their life's goals. The secret to doing that is the knowing doing gap. How many times have you said, I know it, and then fail to accomplish it? The doing part is always the missing piece. I've always said, when you find that one thing inside every episode, don't know it, own it. Here's hoping that your ship rises with the expertise shared in every episode. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time...